0: I've just been here The heartbeat is always the same Now I'm hearing reports Out of Millinocket, Maine It fits like a plug in a socket The hope that fills the void in the pain It's just one word twice When event happens, it's customary to make a speech. Weddings, retirements, graduations, anniversaries that end in zero, and sometimes five. Funerals. I get why that is. How people make speeches in these moments though is entirely beyond me. It's like a superpower to be able to do that. Say a few words that comment on everything in a way that rings true. I once lived in an abandoned barn in the deep south with a man named Marcus. We didn't have money or things Modern comforts. We were squatters pretending to be homesteaders until they found us out and ran us off. Except for one thing, one comfort. A little brown Holland lop rabbit we called Monster. He was our pet. We built him a little fenced in play area When I woke up one morning and found Monster dead, Marcus and I dug a hole and put him there. And I did try to speak. I spoke, but it was a failure. I found myself rambling about great virtues and abstract concepts and what Monster represented to me in a way that didn't feel like it had anything to do with what it was like to hold him, or watch him dance around, or feed him dandelions out of my hand. Eventually, my words came to a choking stop. Marcus put his hand on my upper back and he said, monster knows what you mean. This is the morning of Tamara Tillman's funeral. I lied awake, thinking about her all last night. Finally gave up on sleep and came here, before sunrise, to Green Meadows Cemetery, though the service isn't until late morning. The sun is up now. I'm sitting here under a tree, contemplating Tamara and what led to today. Mayor Minor is one of a few who's stepped up to the challenge of putting some thoughts into words. He's at home. He puts on music to set the mood. He tries out language in front of the mirror. Mayor Minor.
1: It is... <clears throat> It's in times like this, in times of grief and and struggle, profound loss that we remember how to band together as a community, that we remember how to be uh, neighbors to our neighbors. That we remember. uh, That we remember. um, That we remember.
0: Eventually, the guests. Bobby Trout, Arnie Kramer, there's... Mike from the hardware store, carpools, kids on bikes, the traditional motorcade of tractors. Brownie climbs down from the truck. Here's Francis Tillman in his first fitted suit. Here are Tamara's favorite flowers, technically a species of invasive weed. Here are stories. The time Tamara was a sheet ghost among princesses. The time Tamara Tillman and Wava Bower set the roof of the public pool on fire. Affection, the birds scream. With her own account of it, Police Sergeant Marianne O'Connell.
1: We're laying Tamara Tillman to her place of eternal rest. And there's a nice service. They were actually able to clean her up enough to do an open casket. Like I guess she wanted. And I know me and Tamara had our differences, but I was prepared to give a nice eulogy. But I didn't even get that far. I'm standing up there in front of almost everybody I've ever known, and, and um, I'm a- about to open my mouth to start, and I look out over the crowd across the grass and the headstones, and out there on the other side of the cemetery, just coming up over the top of the big hill, comes Duncan Coons in a plaid, in a hard hat, in the boots, and all of it. And he's carrying his cat completely calm and still in his arms. He's carrying Earl the Pearl Monroe. And the crowd sees me see him. And they turn and they gasp. And then he comes down the hill toward us. We see he's being followed like some otherworldly Pied Piper, followed by the others, the cats. Every single cat we all rush to him and he's walking so slow and then he stops and he I'm sorry I I, I should talk with the family about what they do and don't want me to say on this but Let me say for now that Duncan Coons is more or less alive.
2: No one has ever come back like this. In Duncan's state, more or less alive. The business with the cats is new. I've never heard of anything like that.
0: All this time and work in these years and I'm as lost as I've ever been
2: what happened at the funeral is by design of course it's too perfectly packaged orchestrated making people miss things Duncan the cats gathering them together in one place. The funeral. And then like some kind of steam valve, relieving at least some of the pressure of this collective pain. Manufactured pain. Pain as a tool, relief as a tool. It's like something out of an abuser's handbook. So, relief is not the predominant feeling. Not for me. I'm happy for Duncan and the cats. And those who love them. And I'm feeling a new dread. This is an escalation in disguise. Okay. I want to remark on something else. Let me rewind this scene at the funeral. To the moment Sergeant O'Connell
0: walks to the front of the crowd to speak, but before she speaks, something struck me from my watching place, even
2: through my binoculars. Carl O'Connell, standing next to Sally Langerhands. He leaned towards Sally, slightly. Just shifted his weight in her direction. So his shoulder bumped against hers. And then Sally Langerhands; she shifted her weight and her shoulder bumped Carl. It was affection. Sally Langerhands.
3: Well, it's a divorce. It's... It's terrible. Not as terrible as being married to a terrible person, but the process is terrible. One bright side is there's been a lot of support. My friends, the town, Carl O'Connell. He was always my pharmacist. Sold my mom Spider-Man Band-Aids and Flintstones Chewables. I remember when he got married to Marianne. I took over the shop almost four years ago, so we've basically seen each other every day since then. He's been so bummed out lately. Distracted. Lonely. I think about what it must be like to be the husband of his wife. Maybe it's just him being there for me through the divorce. He's been through it. But I notice he's been stopping in a lot. I've had my hands full since the cats decided to come back. Carl's seeming happier, and I don't know if I'm just seeing what I'm looking for, but I don't hate it.
0: Board whenever Node winces and objects, it doesn't seem like such an imposition. I don't think I'm hoping for too much. I've arrived at my own humble evaluation in some real way. We really. such a weird idea. I don't think I'm just flailing at a cloud. You feel me and you know that I can feel you. To what degree are you and me here together now? The hospital bed is dressed in crinkly paper sheets. The boy in it wears an open back gown. The bedpan is dry. Janet Coons hasn't left his side. Not for watery lasagna from the cafeteria. Not for oatmeal raisin cookies, which are actually pretty okay. Janet Coons.
4: We still don't have a lot of answers. He's responsive. Kinda. He's not in a coma, he's in another place. They keep running tests, bringing in experts. They're stumped. We need better experts. We need help. He stole the show at the funeral, with all the cats, walking across the grass, walking home to us. He gets just close enough I can see his face that it's really Duncan, under the hard hat, in the shirt and the boots and the reflective vest. And he walks across the cemetery green, and he stops and he lays down like an angel in front of a sculpture of an angel marking the grave of Josiah Hooper and he wraps his arm around Earl the Pearl and he unstraps his helmet and he just dozes off And O'Connell's standing up in front of the crowd, and, and she's first to see him, and she just runs to him. Everybody runs, and everybody gets there to Duncan, and all the cats are standing on their hind feet, still, and silent, and reverent. Can cats be reverent? And there's a big circle of open space between the crowd and Duncan, and Everybody makes way for me. And I break into the open circle and I go to him and I say his name and, and I touch his hair. and It's been four days and, and at least he's looking around now, but he still hasn't said a word. I, I think he's trying to clear his throat. I'm pretty sure he's about to say something.
0: I'm lying awake. Again. It isn't late by my standards, but I'm days behind on sleep. So I guess it's very late, if you think of the sleep as being days past due. I have a case of what the police sergeant calls monkey brain. Rapid thoughts running wild. The green light bulb above the desk comes on. This indicates a phone call's coming in on the police sergeant's line. Odd hour. My stomach turns. I get out of bed.
2: I listen.
1: You've reached Marianne O'Connell. Please leave the name, date, and time of your call, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you.
0: Sergeant O'Connell, my name is Lawrence Schrader. I'm the proprietor of the facilities on Hoopers Hill. Sergeant O'Connell, some misunderstandings have arisen between us. This will not do. I invite you to pay a visit to the compound, tonight. You will arrive at the gate, alone and on foot, at 1145. And I will set the record straight about what we do, and what we do not. And in thanks I would be obliged to furnish you with information concerning the whereabouts of the missing police cruiser. I will see you tonight, goodbye. I'm not a prophet, I just want a purpose, I live on the life I burn down, what once was a wife is now just an outskirts of town, I'm so close now I feel like your brother in Maybe